Welcome to the GovComs podcast, bringing you the latest insights and innovations from experts and thought leaders around the globe in government communication. Now, here is your host, David Pembroke. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome once again to GovComs, the podcast that examines the practice of content communication in government and the public sector. My name's David Pembroke, and thank you for joining me. Today, a conversation about leveraging influences and the media. Now, I think this is going to be a fascinating conversation because there's in government communication, obviously, risk aversion. How do you get the right influences? How do you decide to do it? How do you manage it? So we're going to have that conversation today with Eleanor Dean, who's the General Manager of Outreach and Capacity Building at the Australian Centre for International Agricultural Research. Eleanor has worked in a range of management roles, from strategic marketing and communication to director of public affairs in places such as the Civil Aviation Authority, the Australian Tax Office, and the Department of Environment and Heritage here in Canberra. She is an honours graduate in communication from the University of Canberra, and she has worked in government for more than 23 years in areas such as heritage, pollution, natural resource management, biodiversity, the arts, education and training, and superannuation. And she joins me now in the studio. Eleanor, thanks very much for joining me on GovComs. You're welcome. Thank you. This project that you, you know, have done around influences, and just to give people a bit of background, Eleanor led a campaign recently on the SBS Food Network. And for those of you who aren't in Australia, SBS is our multicultural broadcaster, and certainly food is a very big part of their programming. But the idea was to promote awareness about the Australian Centre for International and Agricultural Research. Um, the television program that she engaged with was called The Good Cooks, and what they did was to send influencers out to key ASIA sites, which is the uh, acronym for the Australian Centre for International Agricultural Research, um, to promote a number of current initiatives. So, um, Eleanor, perhaps take us back to the beginning of, of the idea. What business problem were you trying to solve with this particular tactic? Uh, we're looking to solve the problem that nobody's actually ever heard of us. And I would have to say that I um, uh, was part of that. You know, I was in the market for a new position and I'm flicking through APS jobs and I saw uh, the title Outreach and Capacity Building and I thought I could do that. And this organisation called ACR and I looked at it and thought, well, I've lived in Canberra my whole life. I've never heard of these people. I saw that they were in Bruce and thought that's pretty close to home and read through the profile and thought that sounds like a pretty cool job. So I was very lucky and fortunate to get that job. Mm -hmm. And the key thing that was put to me was that the minister, Julie Bishop at the time, and the new CEO were very keen to raise the profile of the organisation. ACR is actually really well known overseas. So um, the minister had had that experience of travelling overseas and having people say, oh, we're so happy that ACR are here. We've been here for 35 years and doing all this great work, doing research for uh, development in the agricultural sector, and we're so happy. But then you get back to Australia and 
and nobody's ever heard of us. So it was put to me that we needed to do something to raise our profiles. So a few planets aligned and um, I met with a producer who suggested to me that we should pitch this idea to SBS um, Food Network and that he had some contacts there. So off we went to SBS and we pitched the idea of a six-part series um, where we would take uh, celebrity chefs overseas to a developing country to an ACR project so they could see what was going on there, so they could see what was um, what was growing, what food was being used, how people lived, and they could ex- experience it. They could see where taxpayers' aid dollars are going um, and have a, a, you know, a natural reaction to that, and then also do some cooking with the local people. Wow, okay. So lots in that answer. So let's go back to perhaps one of the... Well, a few pieces of that. Um, ministerial support and enthusiasm. Obviously, that must have been, a, 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 you know, this is quite an innovative way to raise the profile of an organisation. How important was it that you had the minister on board? I think that that's right. You have to have that enthusiasm behind it, that mandate there to get out there and do something creative. So there had been some old market research that we'd been able to have a look at it where people were saying that, you know, they thought that they would like to support the aid program, but they have some concerns around it. So they're not really happy about, um, you know, thinking that their money might be going to some sort of issue that, you know, they don't understand or that might not be helping the most needy people. But there was a group of people that were really supportive of practical aid programs. And they were really our target market in the end. So people, they'd like to see Australian people, um, you know, helping farmers or helping children and, you know, so hospitals, education, farming really lent itself as a message and example of what the aid program is doing and how we can communicate about that so it seemed like a really good fit and also people love cooking as well so you know while so there was that support and um, and and mandate to get out there and do something but we also know that people are really skeptical about government advertising and it's a really it wouldn't be the right look to be using the aid to be advertising about the aid program. So whilst we wanted to communicate about it, and we know people wanted to find out more about what we were doing and what's going on, and I believe we have a responsibility to tell people what we're doing in these programs. I firmly mm. believe that as a government communicator, that you know that this is the proper and right thing to be doing. Mm. It it wouldn't be the right thing to be spending money on an ad. So we wanted to find the right sort of vehicle to get our message across. And so was it your idea going looking for the producer or did the producer come to you and say, hey, I've got an idea here? The producer came to me. He'd done some work with um, ACR in the past, so there had been some work done um, on the Australian network. So a couple of similar sorts of things had been produced but only ever broadcast overseas, not broadcast in Australia. So I said, well, I like this idea but it's got to be for an Australian audience. Sure. But in terms of that, though, the, you know, spending money to explain um, a government program mm. overseas, did you find many barriers to that? Because I'm sure it wasn't insubstantial, the amount of money that was invested to make these programs happen. Yeah, look, I think financially it was quite cost-effective okay. for us. So um, I think it probably, you know, if you watch the series, you'll see that the production values aren't 
glossy and overdone. Um, it's done in quite a, a, you know, a natural sort of, you know, homemade sort of nice style. Mm. Um, so um, I think, um, you know, there, there was general support that it was a good idea, that, you know, we would get ourselves on television. If we involved the right chefs, we'd be able to leverage it through social media as well. Okay. And so what were some of the challenges in putting it together? Because I know making television is a complex, difficult <laughs> Business. Yeah. So, I mean, look, lots of logistical challenges. We went to six countries. We had to um, work with people overseas. You have to look at visas and those sorts of logistical issues. There was some substantial, you know, travel that was involved. Two of the episodes were filmed in Africa. Um, so, you know, there was uh, some pretty significant road trips involved on a couple of them. And there's always, when you do that, you know, unforeseen things that happen, um, local authorities that turn up and, you know, don't know, you know, you have to explain on your, on the ground what's happening. So, I mean, it, it did take a sort of a lot of initiative and, um, I guess, gumption to get it going. Yeah. yeah. So in terms of then um, pulling the actual content together, how did you shape up some of the programs? How were you able to position... Asia and its work in such a way that was informative and not yeah. over the top. And and that's the real challenge because we it was it's entertainment. So we wanted to create an entertaining cooking show that people would want to watch with some subtle messaging in it as well. And also it had to um, it had to be good enough for SBS to want to broadcast it as well. So there was that sort of um, uh, give and take around we can't produce a piece of, you know, government propaganda. We've yeah. got to produce – there's a subtlety yeah. um, involved in how you do it. And we did lose a little bit of control. I think we started off thinking we'd have a bit more editorial control than perhaps that we did have in the end, and I think some episodes are stronger than others okay. um, in that regard. I mean, they all talk about us and give give the, the gist of what we do and, and produce Presented in a good life. All of the chefs that went were really impressed and enthusiastic about what we do. So that sort of genuine, um, you know, sentiment comes out. So it leaves you with that impression that there are good things going. Some were a bit stronger than others. And so in terms of that, what advice would you have to people listening if they're going down this path in terms of that issue of maintaining that editorial control and direction over the pro over the project yeah. while at the same time wanting to make sure that you achieve oh, that. I think you have to accept that, you know, if you, you don't have total control. Okay. So there's a balance between the editorial needs and the entertainment value and, you know, and getting your message in. So, and that perhaps, you know, if you really need to have tight control, this is not something right. I would suggest you do. If you need to have a carefully crafted message with lots of content and you it, you must have all the buy final sign-off, buy some ads. <laughs> well, and, and that's exactly right. And pay the millions and millions that it will cost you to do that. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, I guess that's the trade-off. To me, you, you don't have the credibility then. You don't have the third-party advocacy. And that's the app absolute beauty in this is the third party advocacy in that every day well I mean we had you know MasterChef contestants and you know um, different sh chefs that have you know that that have come to do it and they have genuine enthusiasm around what they saw and were impressed and so you know you can't 
you can't have an actor going in no, and do you, that. Yeah, you know, it's no. um, it's a genuine thing. So, did you support the the project um, with other activity around it? Mm. Like, for example, were you active when you were away on social media? For example, posting a lot of stuff and saying, "Look, we're in." wherever we are today yeah. and, and here's we, some more We tried to do that and we dabbled a little bit. At first we what we thought we would do was have a social media blackout while the filming okay. was going out yep. to get our celebrity chefs to um, you know really to save their blast until for the episode time yep. but what we found is we couldn't control them and their enthusiasm and they were posting anyway right. okay. so um so you know we so we sort of learnt as we went a little bit on that so um we we really relied on the chefs telling their story here i am in vietnam and seeing this great acr project i think the government's doing great work here um, makes me feel proud to be an australian you know these sorts of sentiments and then we would you know retweet or repost those 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 things. So, did you find that that had an impact on the traffic to your to your own platforms and engagement? Is yeah, there... I think it helped increase our followers and bring people to um, to us as well. And um, and we had links to our website, so you could find out more information about those projects uh-huh. that were connected with them as well. But we really saved our big social media episode to around the time of the broadcast and. I would actually say that social media became bigger than the actual broadcast because what we did was make one minute, 30 second and 15 second videos with the key message for us that was implicit in those video in the episodes um, and extensively pushed those out through social media. And we also worked with the chefs themselves to, um, to use their own social media networks to promote the episodes as well. So we had all those videos going and, you know, we've had nearly 2 million views okay. really by wow. the end on that. So, yeah, so lots of people watching those very short videos. Um, a minute, probably too long. 30 seconds, 15 seconds. So that's really our key message. You know, um, um, Paul West went to Mozambique, saw a great project, you know, and cooked with the locals. You know, those sorts of type messages plus our logo and branding and things like that coming in afterwards. So that worked really well. Okay. And so did you support that with an investment um, for distribution on the social platforms? Yeah. So we put 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 money money. into boosting that and we also targeted it as well to, you know, certain demographics within Australia. So people who like cooking shows or people who live in metropolitan areas, certain age groups, people that we knew were receptive and interested in this type of message. Okay. And those people, though, again, going back to the business objective, obviously it was about raising the profile, but it wasn't it was more specifically just about that brand awareness that you were trying to raise. That's, the, the that's right. Awareness, but also perhaps an acceptance that eight dollars uh, well spent. Yeah, so I think we we know that recognition of who we are is really, really low. Well, almost zero. So, and we also, but we also know that when people hear about who we are and what we do, that they will say, oh, I really support them. I think that's great. So I find that quite amusing. Like, I'm not sure who they are, but I really like them. So, I mean, that's a really nice place 
to be and at least there's a positive association. So I think really making a dramatic impact on that recognition is probably too big an ask. Um, But creating awareness that the government funds this sort of work and that it's good and it helps people um, and is working for to alleviate poverty and increase stability and um, in our region is is the message that yeah. we want to get across. I mean, there's always that thing when you work in a scientific organisation that people, um, you know, the scientists would like to see you actually explain the science behind that project, but this is not the vehicle for that. So within my own organisation, you have to do a little bit of that. Well, you know, we'll have a publication that explains the science behind your project. In this this activity, it's really just about the feeling of what we're doing. It's good. We should support it. Mm. It's helpful. It's useful. It's, you know, it's worth worth being involved in. So in terms of measuring the impact, and obviously, as you say, very difficult when uh, you're looking at a broad audience trying to change awareness or lift awareness, but then to try to track that, obviously the um, the output metrics are impressive, you know, yeah. two, two million views is strong. Yeah. Were you able to, have you done any further research or have we, you had the budget to be able to? We haven't done any yeah. further research. So we've got all those metrics and it tells a really great story about the number of views we've had and the traffic that was directed to our own website and the episodes are going to be repeated another three times on SBS. But no, we haven't had a chance and we don't really have the budget to, have the to go back and to do that so yeah so using that as obviously a sort of a tentpole moment in your year obviously Mm. you're not going to be doing you know too many more of these sort of projects Mm. what what are you going to wrap around it to to ensure that you're continuing to capitalize on the fact that you've had such success yeah so I mean we we will continue to use those short videos that we have from time to time to progress that message. We've got a lovely printed cookbook um, with pictures and very nicely illustrated that we can hand out at um, at different events that we're at. I'm also, you know, we'll be putting the um, the episodes up on our website. Um, you know, we'll be showing them at conferences and, you know, so there's a lot we can do. We've got a beautiful selection of photographs. Yeah. And we've also got enduring relationships with the six chefs that we went and they've all said to us that they'd love to work with us again. So that's a really nice um, thing to do to have these advocates and, you know, people in the community that we could work with in the future. So that takes me very nicely to this question of risk because mm. in other influencer campaigns there's been uh, some some pushback um, yes. when the right or the influencers that were identified and used were found not to yeah. have the integrity that they the government wanted them to have. Yeah. Uh, and there was a bit of a like a fairly strong blowback from the centre of the Australian government at least to you know, let's stop influencer marketing. Mm. How did you sort of, maybe first question then off the back of, of that is how did you go about vetting um, the, 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 the chefs that you used and your views on sort of more broadly around influencer marketing and the impact that it can potentially have for mm. explaining 
government mm. programs. Mm. So I think in this instance we were, um, I guess it, it's that combination if you start off with your wish list of who um, you would like to be involved and then, you know, you make your approach to them and it's and um, it was really put to the, the people that we asked, you know, to, as a bit of a community service. Like, is okay. this an issue that you could get your head around and will you go on this exciting trip to another country for, you know, a Not small fraction of your <laughs> fee? And, you know, so there's always those things. But we were looking for people that um, were enthusiastic, would resonate with the sort of audience that we wanted to reach that had broad appeal. Did they have um, to have big social followings? Uh, we were hoping for big social followings and some did and a couple had, had smaller ones. Um, but um, so, I mean, I guess it was around that we didn't go to too much, of, um, you know, I mean, I don't think we would have gone for someone that we had felt was um, really political. But, I mean, I can't think of any chefs that are really political, like, you know, that are trying to be active and, and But that's and sometimes you don't know about that. Well, sometimes you, know, you don't know, yeah. and, that, and, and that's the risk. Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, we were editing. So, yeah. you know, so anything that there was always, we knew that, you know, it wasn't a live broadcast. We weren't asking people to give speeches at public forums or, you know, anything like that. So, um, so we knew we had that sort of, I guess, um, to fall back on. But, I mean, we were obviously looking for people that were felt aligned and engaged with, with the, you know, the issue of international development. And mm. so, you know, and, and I think maybe some of the chefs hadn't ever been to those places before and so it was something new and something different. So, mm. yeah, but I think it there is always risk and, um, you know, there's it's always been in the years that I've worked in government communication, it's actually a risky business in many ways and there's always been a, a, an idea that we want to have um, some sort of a third party advocate or get yeah. a celebrity involved and there's as many good cases as there are uh, ones where it's all gone wrong so um, yeah. you know I can think of a few over my career but I, I <laughs> you know, where people have said things that you know you, yeah. you didn't expect them to yeah. to and and the social media is is you know no, I guess no different they just might have a bigger audience than um, you know than they might have or it's more it's more visible I think it you've just got to be really careful what you're messages mm. and ours was a very general and fairly simple one I mean you know when I worked in the tax office on superannuation we had complicated me messages around business things so you'd have you know that would be inappropriate to be asking a third party person to be conveying that you know you'd have yeah. to find particular ways so it's always really about um who your audience is and 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 whether or not it's um you know going to be appropriate for them I think you would want to do a really thorough scan of their um the, of the way that they interact and of their previous posts and how they respond to people who comment and those sorts of things and be really aware of what could happen and you know did you find any negativity did any of the trolls come out and say, oh, you know, this is just government propaganda? I, we didn't find propaganda. There's always a conflict in a... There's a conversation in Australia about the drought and you hear a lot of prominent people talking about we shouldn't be doing, you know, overseas aid, perhaps we should do things about the drought. So we're always sort of, you know, looking f at those views and at what people are saying. And um, did, it give, did this particular project give 
that voice a platform? Uh, well, yeah, we had some comments, uh, you know, around that. Why are we wasting and taxpayers' dollars doing this when we've got the problems at home? Yeah. And, you, and you see those comments and people are entitled to their view and, and my view about social media is you just let that sit. Like that's, you know, people are entitled to their views and mm. that's what they say. And um, certainly I worked in government communication over the era where before we had social media and while we had this sort of years where should we, shouldn't we, and it was, you know, we yeah. d departments would decide whether they're doing it to working in places that were more tentative, to working in a place like ACR where we have embraced it and we're really enthusiastic about it and see it as actually a real opportunity for us. Um, so, you know, that that you can have that sort of fear of the comments, but I think, you know, the the old days of one-way communication have gone and, um, and, you know, we have to sit with that. The trick is not to think that those views are necessarily the majority. So um, I know sometimes people feel very concerned concerned when they you know see negative comments on social media and they sort of amplify that into you know all oh, this is terrible Shut it down. and uh, yeah we shouldn't do it and whatever and to actually just hold your line that this is what yeah. we're trying to communicate and I mean certainly when I worked in the Civil Aviation Safety Authority it would be quite interesting to see the conversations and often there would be an issue that we would post about and then there would be a conversation amongst the followers that would also sort of resolve itself and yeah. it was you know and that people were very active and people in that industry have very strong opinions um, about things but they would talk to each other and moderate each other it was quite fascinating so you know and it I think it worked quite well. So clearly the the leadership of the organization was well behind this uh, initiative yeah. um, how do they feel now that the the results are in They've invested the money. They're happy with what they got. Yeah, I think so. I think we're that everybody's very pleased in the way that it's played out, and that you know we've had some, um, we've got some good assets, and we've you know had lifted our profile, and um, you know and and really you know put a lot of effort into doing something that's had a big hit. Mm. So, what do you think the sort of longer term impact will be around the way that you tell the ACA story now that you've you've done and tried that, hmm. how is it going to impact on the way you do things on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah, well, look, I think we have quite a few audiences and always sort of shifting emphasis around, you know, uh, uh, we've got to tell our scientific story to our scientific audience. We've got to tell our story about what we're doing in various countries in those countries. So, um, you know, we also want to continue to communicate with the Australian public. So we're sort of often torn between, um, you know, which way, where are we going to put our resources? How, and our how do you emphasis. manage that as a matter of interest? Well, it's, you know, I guess... <laughs> having lots of things going at one time. Um, you know, we're in the process at the moment of creating a network of communication offices uh, in our 10 country locations where we have offices so we can have um, in-country people on the ground to help us communicate um, with stakeholders there. So, um, you know, that's taking a while to build, but it's really one step at a time. Yep. Um, and we have a quite a large publications program where we're taking that scientific information and, and putting it together while always having an eye on how can we tell our bigger picture story in a, mm. um, you know, in, in a more general um, and short-term sort of friendly way. So there's always lots of balls in the air. And one of the maybe unintended consequences is the impact on staff of 
such a project. Mm. How did they respond? I imagine quite positively. Yeah, I think it was an exciting thing to be involved in, um, but also um, complicated and detailed and lots of checking and um, and going back and forth with, you know, different people to make sure that the accuracy was right. <laughs> that sort of conflict over entertainment and cooking and our and contribution. Science. And so I think by the time it aired, we were all a bit exhausted. <laughs> and, and, you know, you've all, we've all watched it, like, you know, 20 times already and then you sort of get to telling if you know, making my kids watch it and, you know, things like that. And it's sort of thinking, oh, I'm sick of it. Like, you know, so you almost forget to celebrate your success. So I think that's um, – so recently, you know, after having a little bit of time, we gave a presentation to our wider organisation about the metrics of how many people watched it and how many people engaged with us on social media and what had done. And people were like, wow, that's great. Yeah. And it was sort of like – yeah, it was great. <laughs> so, um, so you do have to take that. That's a real bit benefit, isn't it? And I think often it's it's overlooked that when you do tell a story well uh, to an external audience, that the impact that it has internally, where there is that sense of pride, is that particularly an organisation with a very low profile, and I'm sure many people who've worked for Asia have probably worked there for many years. Mm quite happy, I suppose, that nobody knows who they are. But now that they do know who they are, they're probably thinking, well, that's pretty cool as well. Yeah. That people know a little bit more about what we do. Yeah. And I, th I think people do enjoy being able to sometimes say to their family, oh, my organisation's going to be on TV. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. something like that as well. So it's, you know, it's sort of fun to have it, you know, have it happening and have something that's got a bit of profile. And so I haven't seen the series, but just uh, give me an example, perhaps, just before we finish up around... One of the projects in Africa. What what sorts of work is Asia doing over there, and how were you able to connect a a, a chef? Yeah, so we took Mark Olive, who's an Indigenous chef that's on SBS um, on um, the Chefs Line TV program. So we took him to Tanzania to see a project that involves a vaccination for chickens. So chickens are a really great food um, because there's obviously the chicken meat and the eggs and uh, nutrition is a really key issue for um, you know people who don't have a lot of money and food because children need protein um, in order to you know really grow and develop and um, there's lots of problems with stunting when people don't have you know enough nutritious and a variety of food so this vaccine was developed in Australia by Australian researchers um, for Newcastle disease in chickens and the innovative thing about it is that it doesn't need to be refrigerated so okay. he went and visited the project where they're vaccinating the chickens and saw these healthy chickens um, and interacted with the people there and saw the children and how well they were doing. And so the, the, the vaccination program obviously had a big impact on the chickens. They've yes. gone from being... So they've got healthier and more chickens right. so that produce eggs and produce and heavier meat. heavier chickens and... with more meat and... Yeah. Okay. So, so then, then he did some cooking. So he sat down with some of the women from the village and he... Um, cooked some egg dishes and then later he sat down with another group and he cooked a chicken dish with them. So um, so it's sort of making that connection between what the project is about um, and, and the food that, and the way that people eat. So, so he didn't cook that he helped them so they showed him how to make a traditional dish and he was 
the helper. So it's a nice story about, you know, their culture and what they do and the bond and how he connected with them. And what a perfect way to show the Australian taxpayers tax dollar yeah. at work. And the the this is a bit of an iconic project for us because Newcastle disease happened and occurred in Australia and because of this ACR project we actually had the technology and the innovation to combat it here. So whilst it was developed for Africa, uh, because we had the expertise in Australia when the disease came here, we were able to act quickly and do something about it. So Fantastic. Nice story. Have you got any plans for another Another series? Yeah, we're just taking a deep breath at the moment and having a think about what we might do. We did, I think the cooking connection with what we do is really strong. Um, It rated very well on SBS. So I think they would be keen if we produced another one. So, um, but obviously these things are in conversations and (laughs) we have to. But but what you're also suggesting though is that it's not prohibitively expensive. It's not, when you look at the alternatives and the different ways that you can tell a story Mm. it's not that bad yes i i think it it was produced it was produced on a low budget so yeah so um yes wasn't prohibitive and it doesn't in any way compare with an advertising campaign no yeah fantastic i just think it's such a great example this is what we talk we talk about this sort of stuff everywhere. and to me this is just such a great example of using content marketing content communication whatever you like to call it as a way of explaining government investment in policy, program, Hmm. services, regulation, whatever, but uh, it's such a smart way to do it. And uh, congratulations on on, on the great success. So where can people see it if they want to Ah, so Because I'm going to go and have a look. Yeah, look, it was on SBS On Demand, but I think the 90 days since its first broadcast is finished now. So it will be repeated. um, Ooh. Have you got any stuff on your on the ACO website? We've got, on the on the ACO website, you can see the short videos and um, and there's information and all the recipes. So it is going to be repeated on SBS again, and I'm hoping soon to have all the episodes on our website as well. Okay, so, so and yeah. where can people go to? A, what's the website? So it's aciar.gov.au and then Good Cooks. Okay. Fantastic. Okay, Eleanor, thank you. And congratulations. Thank that, you. That's a great story. And to you, the audience, there you go. There's a great example. And I think Eleanor made a great point in there that it's it's not for every story that you want to tell. It's not for every piece of government information that you need to communicate. But where there's the opportunity to be creative, to be imaginative, to work with people, to be able to explain it better, to put it, wrap it in that editorial context, you can just see the power that that will live on an investment that tells a great story for many, many, many years to come. So fantastic work there from Eleanor Dean, the General Manager of Outreach and Capacity Building for the Australian Centre for International Agricultural Research. And thank you to her for coming in today. And thank you to you, the audience, for coming back once again. What a great story for you. I hope that inspires you to get a bit creative, to get a bit imaginative, to take a story, because as Eleanor said, increasingly people are understanding that they'll take the risk if they can see that the value can be created. So maybe this could be a great case study for you to be able to demonstrate to your boss when you want to pitch that those great content ideas to uh, explain your, your programs. Anyway, that's uh, enough from me uh, for this fortnight. We'll be back at the same time in another fortnight, but for the moment, it's bye for now. You've been listening to the GovComs podcast. 
If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate and subscribe to stay up to date with our latest episodes.